Grimlock. <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> Welcome back, listeners. A couple weeks ago, we did an adventure with Matt from the playbook Dungeons and Doggies. It is a supplement to Dungeons and Dragons 5e, so it's really easy to incorporate into your game. If you go to the link in the show notes, you are also able to purchase miniatures that you can paint for your adventures, which is super cool and super fun. And I haven't painted mine yet because I'm a coward. <laughs> my name is Ryan. I use she, her pronouns. And my guest is Mads. Mads, honey, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Mads. I use they, them, or if you fancy he, him is also acceptable. Uh, and I, uh, you probably are fairly used to my voice if you have uh, been along for the ride at The Game is Afoot. I played Ark in the original campaign. Mads is also my lovely husband, <laughs> and I'm going to try my best not to embarrass them, but I make no promises. I mean, it's a special skill of yours, so I'm not sure why you're suppressing something you have proficiency in. <laughs> Let's start with Bumble. Mm-hmm. So, audience, you don't know this, but I named Bumble. Yes. It made sense because I was playing the NPC that is... Bumble's owner, mm-hmm. Emily. But other than the name, which was entirely my doing, what what was your thought process behind Bumble? Well... And why did you not let me tell the audience about what Bumble was from the beginning? Okay. Both. <laughs> okay. So when Ryan asked if I wanted to do one of the one shots on the show, uh, my answer was, of course, Yes. She, when I didn't have an immediate idea for what I was interested in doing, uh, she did what she is going to be doing for um, probably all of her guests, if not, uh, well, most, if not all, uh, which is that she gave me a few choices, uh, a few possibilities. And one of them was, of course, to finally break out Dungeons and Doggies. Um, She backed the kickstarter for dungeons and doggies and also for cats and catacombs so we've had the miniatures and we've had access to the rules for um quite some time now we just haven't had the opportunity to use them and as just an absolute dog nutcase um (laughs) i couldn't pass up the opportunity appropriately if you hear quiet quiet snoring that is a dog in the background (laughs) we are Still uh, dog-sitting, so that's Roman. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think he's tired of us being awake. Probably. (laughs) He's like, it's bedtime, why are you still up? Stop talking. You made me go to the bathroom, you gave me my treat, shut up and go to bed. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Luckily, he's not as bossy as Zabi, who is the corky we live with. (laughs) Anyway, I will say, the first thing that I knew was that I wanted to play a ranger. I grew up on Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Strider was always one of my absolute favorite characters. Rangers as a concept have always been my favorite class. If the world were D&D, I would almost certainly be a ranger, or that's what I would want to be. Whether or not I would actually like <laughs> acquire the skill set is a whole other matter. But in... in in an ideal D&D world. Yes, and in an ideal D&D world, I would be a ranger. So I knew I wanted to play a ranger dog. As for what breed I wanted him to be, there were a few different ideas that I had. The first two that I tended towards were, once upon a time ago, my friends and I uh, of as it were, diagnosed each other as our do- as dog breeds. We assigned each other what we thought uh, we would be as dogs. And I was assigned Otterhound. Otterhounds are really cute, first off. And I liked that. And then I thought about Irish Wolfhound, because I'm a sucker for dogs that, by all rights, are ponies, essentially. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I really like that description. <laughs> 
I, I am. Um, dogs have always been a huge part of my life, and I'm sure I will come back to this later. In fact, please try to help me circle back to this later. Uh, some extremely important friends of the family when I was growing up always had gargantuan dogs, so I have always had an extremely soft spot for just dogs that are way bigger than they have any right to be. Um, but then, I don't know why, just out of nowhere I was like, you know what? No. I really want this dog to be an Akita. <laughs> Growing up, for many years there, there was a neighbor guy who had a beautiful black and white Akita, and quite frankly, Mom and I would just be like, if it weren't wrong, we would steal that dog. Is that what you meant by multicolored hair? Yes. Uh, because I, I also went looking for pictures um, to be sure I had the breed right. And I, they're really beautiful. The Akita that I grew up witnessing was black and white. The Akita that I found a picture of that I was like, that's what I think Bumble looks like in my head, is uh, white chest, mostly white legs, and brown and black. Akitas are a Japanese breed of dog. They were bred for hunting initially, but they have since gained a, a deep cultural significance, it seems, uh, based on what I read. They're deemed uh, loyal and dignified, which I liked um, because that was already kind of the image that I had for him, or at least that that was sort of the image he had of himself, that he was a very dignified dog and that he took himself altogether way too seriously. <laughs> and uh, they have a reputation of being like loyal family protectors, guard dogs, um, but that look after the family and they are associated with the building of a family. One of the things I read said that it's traditional in some parts of Japan, that when a child is coming, the family is gifted uh, a, f a figurine of an Akita, and it's meant to bring, like, good fortune. So... Who um, know that? <laughs> I know, isn't that sweet? I love that. Uh, so yeah, they they occupy um, sort of a, a place of prestige in Japanese culture, but mostly I just love the way they look. God, they're so cute. They're They're huge. And I love them. And they're really fluffy. And they're super, super fluffy. And, and they, they have, have that curled tail. Curly tail and sticky uppy ears. It's a technical term. Thank you. Can I pet your dog? Um, <laughs> one of my favorite shows of all time. I just want to scruff their faces. They're like the bigger version of a Shiba Inu. What was your experience building this dog using the Dungeons and Doggies rulebook? It was really fun. Uh, it's it's really well written. It's super cute. I'm probably going to go back and just read the whole thing for fun because all the feats have really funny names. And like, I'm actually going to pull my character sheet back up because it was so good. I gave you a, a special item too that didn't did. really end up coming into play. I Okay, I considered having that be the very first thing that he did was to double check to be sure that he actually did know where it was. Here, hold on. Let me just pull this up. So I had forgotten that rangers can't get lost. <laughs> so I was trying to provide you with a way back home. Oh, that's really sweet. I love that. But go ahead and tell the readers what you got. I do think that you made that my item before I told you that I was going to be a ranger, though, too. Possible. As an example, and I think I named this in the show when um, I used it. One of my racial traits is called best friend which is may cast charm person once per long rest using charisma. And then the other racial trait is boundless persistence, which is actually super powerful. Um, once per long rest, when your HP is reduced to zero, immediately roll hit dice and heal that many points. So it's a real good one. That is really, that's a heavy hitter right there. Breed Ooh, traits. Super good with a barbarian now that I think about it. Yep. The breed traits that I selected because they give you... Um, a huge, it's like a two page long list of possible breed traits with the idea being that you can choose features that reflect the breed of dog you selected. Yeah, so, I, I was just about to bring up to reassure the reader, there's not a set list of breeds right. in this 
rule set. Is you choose it, and then based on your choice, you get small dog, regular quote dog, or large dog, and that affects your stats somewhat. Exactly. And then they give you this big list that you can choose your breed traits that make sense for you. So the ones that I chose as Nikita are Thick Coat, which gives me a better armor class, and Guard Dog, which is if ally is hit... Actually, you don't need that text. Anyway, I chose Guard Dog, (laughs) which is great. So it started out as like any other normal character sheet. So I knew I was going to be a ranger. So I rolled my my stat dice and if having personalized character sheets matters to you at all listener the rule book does have a page that is a character sheet that has a bone motif oh my god it's so cute i went for i just rolled as i would for any other ranger i wrote a list of the different um things that i could possibly be proficient in to choose after i picked other things which is what i always do my gracious dm had me still choose a background. Now, Dungeons and Doggies has a background called Enlightened... Awakened. Awakened Animal, which makes a lot of sense. But when I looked at Quick Build for Ranger, one of the things that it said was to consider using the Outlander um, background. And... In in the rulebook, the Awakened is to kind of separate you from other animals but i didn't want mads to feel cornered into that particular background so we made awakened more of a status Mm -hmm. than a background well and what it says if i remember correctly in the dungeons and doggies handbook is that for some for some dogs the awakening itself is the most important part of their background like it, it is the most formative thing in their life is the fact that they have awakened. So they, they give you that option of like, well, is this the thing that forms the core tenant of their being? Or is there something else about their background that is more appropriate for them? Now, I had already picked Outlander before I read Awakened Animal and realized that it was a background. So... I think if I did this in the future, I would want to choose Awakened Animal as the background just to sort of get the full experience. But because I already had this idea in my head of him taking himself too seriously and like (laughs) not really having much of a sense of humor and he's kind of a tough guy and he's an old soul even though he's only three and in dog years 21. So he's like a young guy, but he kind of acts like a grizzled middle-aged man. Um... (laughs) I started reading the Outlander background and I laughed aloud because I was like, this becomes hysterically funny if you then apply it to this is a dog that's been raised by an 11-year-old girl. After she rescued him from being bitten by a bumblebee. It's stung by a bumblebee. Which is, it was just so funny. Like, I read it aloud, like, in my I'm making fun of bee voice and we were just, like, crying. It was so good. So I, I kept Outlander um, as his background. And then the rest just sort of followed from there. The fact that I have an instrument that I'm proficient in, aka howling, which did come into play, um, is from my Outlander background, uh, which is very funny. Uh, And then because he awakens first thing at the very beginning and he doesn't have any gear, the only items that I have in, in his, that he has in his inventory are his favorite bandana, the ribbon. I didn't add the ribbon. Um, gonna do that now. <laughs> and then the uh, magic item that Emily certainly did not know was magic. Um, no, no, she did not. Franzible's favorite bone. The effect being that once I'm attuned to it, I always know where this bone is. And I like that. I really like that 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 was your thought process, was that if he leaves the bone at home, he'll always know where home is because the bone is there. Yes. I think that's really sweet. I like that a lot. Um, or even if he had brought it with him and then it was like, oh, I'm going to go into a cave. Right. He can leave it somewhere and always know. Yeah. That that was. was my thought. Um, there are a lot of really cute magical items in that book. Some that are a little more jokey, some that are a little more useful. I think all of them have a tinge of humor to them, but all of them are still functional, which is a really hard balance to strike. Yeah. They did a really wonderful job writing it's, these rules. It's really good. Um. <clears throat> it was just a ball. 
uh, <laughs> uh, reading that and making making choices for B. Yeah. And if you are interested in the cats and catacombs, we will have an episode with that. <gasps> yes, I already to play with it. Oh yeah. Oh babe, I've got. Is it Derek? It's not Derek. Really? Derek wants to play standard five E. Okay. Um. Excuse me. I don't remember if I brought up cats and catacombs to him. Um. For the listeners' benefit, Derek is one of my best friends, and I've known him since eighth grade, and. I'm really excited to play with him, but this is not an interview anyway, about Derek, we, it's an interview about you. We should keep the mystery, a the mystery. Sense of mystery for Cats and Catacombs. You had also asked me about why I didn't want to reveal that he was a dog. Yes, I did. <laughs> so ever since we, ever since you backed this and I knew I wanted to play it, I just had this idea in my head that if we did it for the podcast... I really wanted to play it with a straight face and have it be a reveal moment that, oh, wait, this character is a dog. <laughs> just I just thought that there was a lot there to play with. It It's the kind of gag that I enjoy. Um, and oh my I, God, I can hear the frogs outside. Yeah. Sorry, please wait. continue. It's really close. Yeah. It's outside, though. I almost thought it was in the room for a second. Anyway. Um, no, I think some... Wouldn't be the weirdest thing. Some certain dog folded up in his bed would be on it. Uh, he's an old man. He was very interested in the frog the other night. Yeah, I know, but it was also moving around. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, yeah, I just... And then coupled with the idea that, like... I don't know, just any anything that has a narrator that then you get a little bit, like, you never want to push it into the realm of, like, giving your reader or your listener whiplash, but having a narrator that then something about them gets turned on its head just a little bit, just something you didn't expect is always really attractive to me. And the potentiality for that was plain to me from the moment that we owned Dungeons and Doggies. So um, that was why I was really like, oh no, I'm absolutely playing Dungeons and Doggies and you don't get to say that I'm a dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is why it was such fun to have him describe himself uh, and why she just about died when I, I believe it was when I s said something about, uh, decently well built. I, I don't. Oh my God. I don't even remember. <laughs> something about like, this, I don't, but... I'm, I'm not studied in my physique or like, I don't, I don't work at my physique, but I'm well built, oh you know? And she, oh my God, it was so good. So funny. <laughs> so I, I don't know if this. I would like to say I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm delighted at making my wife laugh. Oh my god. She Actually, was like twisting in her chair trying not to crack up and blow out the microphone. Well, I didn't want to blow your cover, so to speak. I know, I know. Um, I almost tried to make a joke about him having big feet because Akitas are big dogs and they have big paws. Yeah. But I didn't do it. I didn't want to go too far. I'm, I'm trying to decide what order to ask things in. I don't really do interviews. This is my first. And I I'm happy to be your canary in the coal mine. I love you. Actually, I know. I was surprised you didn't choose a Dalmatian. Fair enough. Um, when I was growing up, my parents... So, one of my parents was a Navy kid. And because of that, and they moved around so much, also from a big family, they never had a dog. So the way that it was told to me, and the way that I have subsequently always told it, is that the moment that they had their own place, they were married, the moment they had their own place and had the ability to, they got a puppy. Hey everybody, this is Ryan here. Just interrupting to let you know that we are going to start regularly posting on our Patreon starting on August 1st, which also happens to be my birthday. We have a Patreon exclusive Discord that you can join 
We're also going to start putting game notes on the Discord. So if you want to run any of the adventures that I pre-prepared, they're going to be on the Patreon for you. Other than that, we have a quick ad from Dice Will Roll. I'm gonna let it play right here, and then we'll get back to the interview with the lovely, adorable, light of my life, Mads. Come listen to Dice Will Roll, the gayest Pathfinder podcast on the planet. We ask the hard questions like, is it morally acceptable to kiss a goblin? Is it cool to use spell slots to warm up leftovers? Would the gods be mad if I wrote slash fic about them? We're a group of four friends who play Pathfinder 2nd Edition every week and go on adventures like none other. We've just launched our brand new season, Extinction Curse, which follows the adventures of the Circus of Wayward Wonders, as they put on the greatest show in all of Galarian and uncover ancient secrets and long-forgotten foes from a bygone era. If you like circuses, clowns, and a little bit of magic, come check us out, and make sure that no matter what, you keep it rolling. Oh, one other thing. Two other things. First off, I'm going to include in the show notes the link for the Kickstarter for the next Animal Adventures campaign. This uh, group of people is the same group that created Dungeons and Doggies and Cats and Catacombs. So they have new stuff coming up. Super, super cool. And then the other thing is that on August 1st, again, my birthday, the first episode with Magic Daggers will be coming out. Uh, we are doing an underwater adventure, so stick around for that. Okay, bye. And they adopted a uh, a girl Dalmatian. Um, they named her Roxanne after the song by uh, my mother's favorite band, The Police. They used to sing Roxanne, you don't have to wear the red collar tonight. Not the Moulin Rouge version. No, although that is one of the family favorite movies. And Dalmatians, uh, I will say, little did I know. In fact, I don't think I was an adult until I heard this. Dalmatians have a reputation for being kind of ornery, I guess. Uh, Roxy was the single sweetest dog that you can imagine. She was also a patch, which is a fun, a fun fact. So if, if a Dalmatian is born with a spot already, because they're born white, if they're born with a spot, they're considered a patch, and that immediately disqualifies them from being a show dog. Hmm. Because if you allow a patch to breed, eventually Dalmatians will just be all black. So that was one of the reasons that they chose her, because she had an ear that was like entirely black, uh, even from when she was a baby. And she, she really was like, she was their first kid, pretty much. Um, there, one of my favorite stories was that apparently, you know, they had her all set up in the laundry room with newspaper on the floor. She wasn't potty trained yet. She was a little baby baby and she wouldn't sleep. And she was just crying and crying and crying and they couldn't take it anymore. And my dad went down and slept on the floor and she slept on his chest and she was just the best. Um, when they first brought me home from the hospital, um, and she, you know, she was an adult dog by then, uh, young, but an adult dog, they were afraid, you know, they're, you never know how an animal's going to react to suddenly having a baby in the house. But I guess they put me in my crib and she came right over and she stuck her head in the crib. And of course they were like, oh, Roxy, no. And she licked me from my toes to the top of my head in one go, like, this is mine, and then walked away. <laughs> and they were like, okay. <laughs> and it won't be that hard. We, I mean, we were best friends. I, I loved her with everything in my being. And she just, God, she was the funniest. She was extremely food motivated. She was obsessed, honestly. <laughs> she also, we liked to say she was part goat. Um, because she could eat anything, anything, and not have to go to the vet. She once ate a full six feet of bubble tape and was fine. She also once found, like, one of those big heart-shaped boxes of chocolates that you buy for somebody for Valentine's I Day. I forgot. Huge. 
she ate the whole thing and the tinfoil that the chocolates were in and didn't bat an eye. This dog had a stomach of steel. And (laughs) she's also the only dog I've ever met that when she had done something wrong, not only did she know... She had no poker face because the moment that you were in the room with her she and she knew she had done something, she would hunch up, her head would go way down and she'd look up at you from a low angle and she'd like bare her teeth, but her they'd be closed. Like she was grinning. She would grin and wag her tail like the tiniest little t- tail wag like, I fucked up. <laughs> and you're just like, Roxy, what did you do? What did you do? You clearly did something. You're, you're regretting it right now. Oh, gosh. She was the best. She also, she was the kind of dog that you could let her off leash and she'd be fine. We'd go camping with her, went hiking with her. She would run ahead on the trail and then run back to, to make sure we were still there and then run ahead on the trail. And she was just a joy. Um... She was the best dog in the universe. And then um, after we had her, it was a long time before we were ready because losing a dog is always terrible. And frankly, that was really, really hard for all of us. Um, Second dog of the family was Beagle named Pepper. Pepper belonged to... So my uncle's mother uncle by marriage my uncle's mother had her and she was just too young and energetic for um for her uh and i didn't realize she wasn't your dog from the beginning no we took her in because um because she couldn't take care of her properly there's also something to be said for there were some kids that would play with her that unfortunately they didn't intend to, but they gave her a little bit of trauma related to um, leashes and and harnesses because... I do remember that. I guess I thought she was a rescue from, like, a shelter. No, she was a family rescue. Um, because Just a rehome, really. But, oh my god, she was... She was hilarious. The summer before we got her, I had spent the entire summer with my parents working to install a hand like hand assembled hand constructed hand buried drip system in the yard that dog (laughs) systematically (laughs) dug up every inch of that drip hosing and chewed it to hell (laughs) like like as though she could smell it or she could hear it. It was probably smell because it's a beagle. But like, oh my god, it was just hysterical. I I made more money that summer than I had ever made as a kid before. And she destroyed it. <laughs> it was so funny and so frustrating. But, it, you know, my parents were just like, well... <laughs> I feel like anyone <laughs> who grows up with animals knows that, like... <laughs> That this creature is my whole world feeling. Yeah. And, and I think that's why I was so drawn to Dungeons and Doggies and later Cats and Catacombs. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, Mads already knows this, but I feel like this is less of an interview and more of a conversation, and I'm okay with that. When I was little, my parents had had a dog before they had me named Alex. He was a rescue. He was some kind of Cocker Spaniel mix. And... That dog's name was my first word. Oh, I didn't know that. I swear I've told you this. Yeah, so I'm this little tiny baby, and I'm standing on the couch, holding onto the back of the couch, watching the dog outside, going, Owah! 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 Oh my god. Trying to get this dog to come to me, because that was my dog. Like, he was my mom's dog, but he was my dog. And... That dog passing away was the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. And then after that, we had Parker. And Parker was a Pekingese. (laughs) And we loved this dog, but that dog was a biter. And people are going to disagree about this. 
and I'm going to end up having a conversation with Zoe, so you're going to hear all of this out of order. But where I'm from, as I was growing up, dogs who bit that you could not get to stop biting were put down. And that's what happened with Parker. It's also a subject of the time. Like I mean, it's it's still a thing. It is, but I I do think that in the nineties it was also part of part of the mindset of its time. It's not an excuse. But I, I don't necessarily think it's the wrong answer either, depending on the situation. Oh, it completely depends on the situation. Yeah, I don't know if that was the situation for that dog. But I was I don't know. No older than 11, maybe 9, when that happened. 11 is when Roxy passed away. Yeah, my my parents decided to put Parker down. And then we got Scout, who was my pug. And I say my pug. Scout was Ryan's dog. That boy was my dog. I would lay on the floor and he would climb up on my chest. I like pugs now because of Ryan. Pugs are so funny. They're they're hilarious. They're so funny. I I don't they support are breeding. Ugly. <laughs> I think but in cute. a cute way. I don't support breeding. I I would have before just said they are ugly, but now I'm like, oh damn! Look at that stupid face. Look at that Look stupid at it. face. Look at that stupid squashed face. I love you. Yes. Horrible. I I I don't support breeding. No, none of us do. I, when I say none of us, I mean you, me, my parents. Even though they went to a breeder for Roxy. And Zobby. Mm. See, I, I don't think your parents yeah. have a thing against breeders. And that's not a judgment. But I don't like breeders. I would be open to rescue a purebred. Like, I, I like the idea of rescuing a greyhound. You and I have talked about that. But I'm getting off my point. My point is that no matter who you are, if you grew up with animals, then you have at least one. That in your heart of hearts was yours. And I think Dungeons and Doggies gives us this opportunity to kind of embody that idea that we can fully belong to someone without it being abusive or or restrained. It's just, I belong to you because I love you. And that's a relationship that takes time to develop. And I, in this game, you can start with that relationship with someone like Mads and I did with Bumble and Emily. Or you could use that as an opportunity to let a dog find their person. And it doesn't matter how you approach this story. It's going to be true to dog. <laughs> yeah, I also think there's something really powerful about telling stories of extremely powerful relationships that aren't romantic because yeah. so much of our media is focused on romance and it's not as I listen, I love a good romance as much as the next person, but to awaken dog romance. Sure. Sure. Um, but there's also something to be said for there is no other animal that has co-evolved with the human species the way that dogs have. And there is something almost alchemical to me personally in there's something almost magical in the connection between a dog and their person. And I've speaking of Zoe and Holden, my God, yeah, I don't want to get into that I don't wanna, too much here. Because we've already established that she's going to be the first guest. You're already inevitably going to end up talking about him, almost certainly. Um, but it is. It's just, it's just different. And it's a unique opportunity to play with a form of storytelling that isn't super conventional. Um, and I always welcome that. Uh, I will also say, being a lifelong dog nutcase, like, growing up, my... Two of my, like, biggest ride-or-die, like, early movies were Milo Notice and Homeward Bound. Yes. 
Homeward Bound. Um, I was thinking All Dogs Go to Heaven, and I knew that was no. where you were going. I'm pretty sure that I watched All Dogs Go to Heaven once and was so distressed by it that I never watched it again. It's terrifying. It's horrible. Um, no. Uh, Homeward Bound is, was like a foundational cornerstone of my childhood. Uh, <laughs> uh, for a long time, um, the phrase, she won't, she won't, she won't, she won't, she won't, she won't, uh, was in my vocabulary because of that movie. Sassy says that when she doesn't want to do something. Um, anyway... I really loved playing B, and I would love to reprise playing B. Um, I honestly, I, and it's because of the choices that I had him make, and I think they are definitely true to his character. But I was hoping that he would end up in the town at some point. I I was really looking forward to him interacting with more people and other dogs, possibly. So, yes, um, um, I I did have plans. I'm not going to say those plans nope. on here because I'm going to make it a Patreon thing that you can access oh, DM notes. Oh. We spent most of the time talking about Dungeons and Doggies, which I'm not mad at. Also. Dogs in general, I was going to return to the fact that I love dogs that are huge and in, in, inexcusably huge. <laughs> so these family friends always had gargantuan dogs when the, the oldest, like the earliest I can remember, it was Belle the Great Dane, who was the gentlest giant, and Baxter the Rottweiler, who... Baxter? Baxter! Um, Thank you. That was so much better than mine. I, f- I love Baxter. I love... He was perfect. <laughs> and uh, again, like, it, just one of those things where your own childhood, your own experience is extremely formative in, like, a, forming a- opinions about, like, dog breeds. Because I didn't know until I was at least a late teenager that... Rottweilers are a breed, they're a bully breed that people tend to be afraid of because the only time I'd ever known a a, a Rottweiler Rottweiler was Baxter, who was the biggest idiot. Oh Oh my my God. God. I, okay. He wasn't dumb. He was the sweetest dog. He would get so excited to see you that his whole rump would shake when he wagged his stub. Oh, you and, mean that thing Roman does with his whole ass tail? Yeah. Um, where he'll shake it so hard that he hurts you with it? Basically. But but Baxter just, oh my god, and he would almost like dance in place. And also, if you wore shorts, woe betide you because every inch of your skin is going to be covered in slobber. Every inch he is going to <laughs> lick, you are going to have a full Baxter bath. And it was perfect. I loved that dog. I've only met one Rottweiler in my life, and it was at, it was at, <laughs> I'm not saying which state we're in, because. Tell about it. I don't want you looking up my parents, but. Well, that's a very distinct name, even if they can't spell it, so you should probably not say it. I'll put a wolf over it. Yeah! <laughs> Censorship mark. Um, but, I met this Rottweiler, and I don't even remember his name now, but he he was overweight. I will say that. <laughs> so he was this... Rollerballer. He was. He was this barrel of a dog. Yep. And he came over to me, and pardon me, my love, I'm going to demonstrate so you can properly describe. Give me your arm. Okay. He did this. He very, very gently placed his mouth around her arm and left it there. Yep. No teeth contact, just jowls. Yep. I love that. It was the softest, and he just kind of held me for a second, and then I was like, do you want to play? And he went and he got me a toy. That's so cute. That, that's my only Rottweiler experience. Yeah, I... God, Baxter was just the sweetest and just the biggest dope. I loved him to pieces. Um, After they had them, they had... Okay... After Bell and Baxter, it was Penny, who was another Great Dane, who once did a flyby uh, around the kitchen island counter and licked half the icing off my birthday cake. That was the fucking funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Because she did it so nonchalantly. Like, her chin was like perfect counter height. We were all at the table. We already had pieces of cake. She just... 
casual as you please, cruised on into the kitchen, <laughs> licked half the icing off the cake, circled the island, never changed pace, just walked away again. <laughs> and they were like, anybody want another piece? And then we just sat there and laughed, like, uproariously. It was beautiful. But they had... Yeah, so they had another Great Dane, and then they also had a Bernese mountain dog named Elliot, who, oh my god. Elliot. Yes, they had him from when he was a puppy, and he had the most energy, oh my god. And then they finally had their, uh, she at least, had, had like her first small dog, a truffle hunter. God, what was his name? Oscar was the cat. I can't remember the truffle hunter's name. Why does Oscar was the cat sound like a children's book title? It does. They also had a parrot that would call the cat. Oscar. Kitty kitty. Would also uh, <laughs> say the names of uh, the humans of the house and um, meow and mimic specific cell phone rings. Guys, I love birds. Birds are great. That bird was hysterical. I Oscar. love birds so much. Kitty kitty. Ryan's going to cry. I might. <laughs> Ryan had um, a bird growing up. At I least had, one. I had a cockatiel named Harriet. Yeah, poor uh, Harriet. Actually, her original name was Harry before I got her. And I renamed her Harriet because she laid eggs. Ain't that just the way. And she had a plucking problem Aww. because her parents, pl- parents or mother, I'm not sure, plucked her when she was a teeny tiny bird. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an anxious thing, right? It, it is an anxiety thing, Ripping but I think also it was then habit because she learned, learned it. behavior. Yeah. Um, in retrospect, that wasn't really a proper home for that bird. Um, but. Again. I, I didn't know that that no. bird probably needed an entire room to herself. Probably. I yeah. didn't know that clipping wings was mean. It's just, that's what she did. Yeah. But. Mads and I have talked, and if I am ever allowed to get a bird again, that bird gets his own room. Yep. Anyway. And you are cleaning up after that bird. I am not. Yep. (laughs) Just Um, like if I ever get my snake, I will be cleaning up after that snake. I've grown a lot in my willingness to let you have a snake. Uh Uh-huh. I only say let because we are married and live in the same space, Mm -hmm. and I would also have to be able to deal with said snake being there. Yep. But I've grown a great deal. I was so proud of her the day that she held a ball python of her own volition. He was just so little. He wasn't very big. No, and I I think, too, like, once you see one, like, being held and handled, you're like, oh, this thing is so slow moving. (laughs) Like, they're not, they're not tiny. They're, they're large enough that you're not going to lose track of them. They're easy to see and they don't move fast. They They don't. There were two of them at that, right? It was a pride event. Yes, they were named Bert and Ernie. <gasps> they were Bert and Ernie. Yep, and it was at uh, our college town's pride parade. the The pride parade terminated in like a Maker Fair, like a like a farmers market type thing, and they were um, they belonged to the shop owners of one of the stores that was represented there, and uh, she she had one around her neck, and the other one was on like a tree, and people were allowed to hold them because they were very well socialized animals. And, uh, I asked and I got to hold one of them and she put him around my neck and it was great. I don't mind people knowing where we went to school. Bellingham? Uh, Yeah, this was Bellingham. And hey, if you ever visit Bellingham, go to the cupcake place downtown because our cupcake place, one cupcake. Cupcake. Was it St. Cupcake? I think so. Why did I think Katie's Cupcakes? Katie's Cupcakes, you're right. Katie's Cupcakes. I'm sorry, St. Cupcake is something else. Yes. It was Katie's Cupcakes. Katie's God. Cupcakes won Cupcake Wars on the Food Network. Also the only good, like, vegan cupcake I've ever had. Yes. Like, oh man. Yes. That's wizardry right there. Anyway, it was fantastic. Gelato Animals are great. good too. Yeah, right across the street. Yeah. That's Hit so one, go to the cute. other. It's uh, Fairhaven. Fairhaven's the best part of town. Yeah. Anyway. It's been so long since we've been back, though. Yeah. So here, here's the thing, my love, my darling, my dear. Yes. I wanted to do, like, an hour-long interview with uh-huh. you. We are 45 minutes in. We spent 45 minutes talking about dogs. Yes, we did. Which is 
how it should be. <laughs> here's here's the thing. I do want to have you back at some point. Of course. And we'll spend 45 minutes at least talking about not dogs to make up for it. Yeah. But just so that we don't lose this golden opportunity mm-hmm. with you. You are not only a dog lover and a Dungeons and Dragons player. Yep. And for a little while there, we did Call of Cthulhu. Oh, Call of Cthulhu is so fun. But you're also an author. Thank you. And an artiste. Oh my gosh. And a Final Fantasy player. Oh my god, yes. So which one of those things would you like to spend these last 15 minutes on? I'm going to let you choose. How dare you. (laughs) All right. So um, when I was thinking about this, because I knew that the new onus of the show was to have queer creatives come and play Dungeons and Dragons and then we talk about dogs and then we talk about things I realized that any conversation that I wanted to have about my creative endeavors would inevitably involve me uh, reciting the full adage of Jack of all trades master of none but better still than a master of one which I fully agree with because I Especially during these, you know, here's hoping that these really are the death throes of the pandemic. But during pandemic times, um, I have adopted, not even adopted, I I have uh, ended up with approximately the attention span of a goldfish. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. uh, Ryan made fish lips at me. They were very good. Um, But uh, I... I have a lot of things that I that I like to do, that I want to do, that I want to learn, that I want to get back into. Um, I was very fortunate uh, in my hometown. There was and is an arts magnet middle and high school, combined middle and high school. And uh, I made my some of my best lifelong friends there. And it impacted me deeply. Um, I focused in literary arts and vocal music. That has been an exciting journey uh, that is continuing to this day now that I have been on testosterone for almost two years, at least two years in August. Because, of course, my voice is extremely different now than it was when I was in school and actively singing in choir. But I would like to get back into that. Um... And I also uh, took private piano lessons for many years, um, and I want to get back into practicing more of that as well. So really, the long and short of it is, I have about a million things that I want to do, and a very difficult time choosing which ones I want to do on any given day. But I feel like that's a pretty common queer dilemma. Like, Yeah, yeah. I, and I know... That some people might say, well, that's just a dilemma dilemma, but like... It's just a creative dilemma, but possibly especially with queers. Yeah, because I also write. I like to pretend that I can draw, but... Eh. I like your drawings. I but, think they're cute. Well, you're also very sweet. Uh, I also want to get into Reborns. Yep, I want to make um, one-of-a-kind dolls, just of a different sort. Yeah, so like... and. Zoe, who you're going to have heard already, uh, writes music, and is just a wonderful person. I was going to say other things that she's into, but I'm going to let her talk about that. She's just wonderful. She is wonderful. Anyway. But, um, and honestly, I realized that through sheer negligence slash I'm I'm citing my, um, <laughs> my goldfish attention span again, I don't think I told you, actually. I bought my first lot of ISBN numbers to self-publish. No, I did know that. Really? Okay. Is one of that one of those for our book? <sighs> so there's a gay superhero book that we are writing together. We are co-authoring. And At Matt's about it. Oh my god! <laughs> I have to work on it again. At them. It's not that I don't want to. I'm giving you a hard time because I love you. <laughs> It's that someone I know gets hyper-focused and then sprints ahead and I'm like, wait, stop. I need to catch up to you. We have a whole outline, so it's very easy for me to do. Yes. She has reached the crux of like 
possibly the biggest plot point in the book, which is going to have extreme emotional impact. And I need to write that part. (laughs) And she's just sprinting for the finish line ahead of me. So I need to I need to do that uh, pretty badly. <laughs> but we have struck a deal that when I work on that, she has to revive her fantasy novel that she thinks is uh, not resuscitatable, and I insist that it is. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I'll try. The promise you, was that I would try. You promised. I did promise. I didn't promise good results. It's going to be great. Anyway, this is okay. Her talking about this this book and this manuscript is the reason that I talked to her the first time. It's extremely important to me, and I care about it a lot. And we spent many an hour playing in that universe, and I miss it. So I just I believe in you. You can do it. You can fix it. Okay. Here's the thing that no. I'm realizing right now. No, no. no well, let me finish. It feels more like a D&D universe setting than a book. Never said that it had to be a novel. I don't know how to approach that. <laughs> I'm going to think about it. Fair. In any case. It could be short stories. It could be a universe. It could be you could write a campaign. You could write the lore of the full pantheon of 18 goddesses that she outlined and had, like, lore for all of them. Uh, we could revisit it in other ways. I gotta get all that stuff off my old computer. I miss it. I miss it so bad. Um, anyway, we're anyways, talking about you. I know. You. But you bullied me about supers. I have to bully you about your fantasy novel. <laughs> <laughs> this is marriage. This is... This is our marriage. This is marriage. <laughs> we love our marriage. We do. We love our marriage very much. Friends, having your wife as your DM is pure suffering. I do need you to know this. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Okay. I okay. love it. It is pure agony. <laughs> I don't know. Agony! If or when we're going to release this. So I need you to tell the listeners... About mystery mittens. Oh my god. Mystery mittens is possibly one of the single best side characters that's ever happened. (laughs) He's a traveling merchant who sells wares of questionable origin. And he travels by pogo stick. He is also a tabaxi. White and fluffy. A huge fluffy white tabaxi named Mystery Mittens. He's... Hysterical. (laughs) I hope that someday you get to hear the episode that he is in. And that's all I will say about that. Yeah. He's great. Great. Anyway, just because you brought up that it's suffering, I would like to also point out to the listeners that I do cute (sighs) shit too. Yes. Like having you befriend a Grimlock. Yes. I did not see that coming. At all. (laughs) <laughs> B was like, I'm gonna have to go into town. I'm gonna have to go get that gardener. I'm gonna have to go find like soldiers. I'm gonna have to go convince them there's a Grimlock in the woods that my human is in a cage w- with a Grimlock in the woods. We're gonna, I'm gonna have to rally the villagers. I'm a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was like, friend. And he was like, I don't know what's happening. It's written into his character that he. <laughs> is a little prickly and mistrustful of people. So when Emily was like, yeah, my kidnapper, you can come live with us. He was like, excused? I saw that in your face and it was so funny. Luckily, he didn't just say it outright because he loves her very much and he trusts her, but he definitely looked at her like, um, excuse me, Emily, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Anyway. Befriending the Grimlock oh is literally God. written into the adventure as a possibility. No, it's it's brilliant because I didn't see it coming at all. For an author of fiction, I am woefully bad at foreseeing plot twists. You know this about me, but I still did not see that <laughs> as a possibility, which is what makes you a good DM. Well, thank you. Before we wrap up, 
Yes, because we are getting right up in there. Yes. I do really want to, now that I have purchased my my first lot of ISBNs, it has been my uh, multi-year goal and plan to self-publish. I've been interested in self-publishing for a really long time. I have a fantasy series that the characters, the main characters of that series I have had or um, have been occupying my brain is probably the more accurate way of saying it for now officially longer than they haven't in my life. I am hoping to move forward more seriously with that if I can kick my own ass enough (laughs) into gear. (laughs) I do have a website. It's madswhitmarshjones.com. You spell that for the listener, please. M-A-D-S-W-H-I-T-M-A-R-S-H jones.com. I can't explain to you the number of times I've had to spell my name out loud for people just applying to jobs. It's because they think it's White Marsh, which it's not. It's Wit Marsh. Yes. Although I was... Okay. I ran out of gas the other night. Long story short. Oh, no. The lady I was talking to to get my roadside assistance tried to say Nichols for my last name. And I think she looked at my middle name. Nicole. Yes. Yeah. Hey, listener, you know my whole name now. Don't buy cryptocurrency with it. Anyway, so there's just one thing that I want to leave off on because we're definitely going to have to have you back and actually talk about all the cool shit you do. Actually, there's two things I want to leave off on. Yes. Drop your Twitter handle. Uh, The one that I almost never use that I have to load. That's a fucking mosquito! (laughs) Death! To the non-believer. Sorry, folks. We're at my parents' place, as we mentioned, and we're right next to a lake, which means mosquitoes come early. It's April. There shouldn't be mosquitoes yet. We're next to a lake. If I was a ranger, my preferred natural enemy would be mosquitoes. Not orphanage employees. Oh my god, that was so fun. Okay, (laughs) my handle is M. Whitmarsh Jones. Would you like to give them both? No. Fair enough. Why would I do that? Fair enough. I have Final Fantasy Twitter. If you find me, you find me. <laughs> Don't be beware, ye who enter here. <laughs> okay. The only other thing that I want to do before we close out. If you had to give one piece of advice to a queer person who wants to get into tabletop role-playing games, what would it be? It doesn't actually have to do with tabletop. The single best advice that I was ever given was to be true to yourself. And it sounds so fucking cheesy, but it's true. They say, and I'm about to go, aww. Uh Well, it was from someone who was and is still extremely important to me during a very difficult time in my life when I was afraid that the people that I cared about the most wouldn't anymore because I was queer. It is a fucking rough world out there. And... There are going to be people in it who care about you for you, not contingent on who you are or how you feel about yourself or anything else. Those people exist. And you have to be in it to find them. I love you so much. Well... You said to give one piece of advice, and I'm going to give, like, five, so you know me. <laughs> you bad at following Dungeon Master ideas. Oh. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I know. Um, no, I think that's a perfect place for us to leave off. Uh, listeners, if you ever just want to come talk to the community, 
check out the Be Gay Roll Dice Discord server. Uh, There are tons of people there who are lovely and wonderful and want to talk to you. If you go to at Be Gay Roll Dice on Twitter, you can find the server pretty easily. And our Twitter handle is at T-G-I-A podcast. For the game is afoot. Podcast. I'm sorry, I always have to think about that really hard. Because it's not T-G-I-F. Yes. And our Instagram is the same. Other than that, I hope we see you next time. Bye. Bye. I was about to say, I'll wait. I was going to have you click off in the middle. (laughs) That's how it's supposed to be. everybody that wraps our show thank you for sticking around i would like to once again thank zoe hovland for doing our theme music uh, we would also like to thank epidemic sound for the sensor woof that i used over the park name that my dad used to work at please do check out that patreon it still needs some revamping as far as the titles and images and such goes but other than that i've pretty much figured out what i'm doing And yeah, next episode is on my birthday. So please rate, review, subscribe as a birthday present. It really does help. Stay after the end cap for the Be Gay Roll Dice Network. And I have a blooper waiting for you. See you next time. Be gay. Roll Dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for drawing attention to what I was clearly going to edit out nice (laughs) milo and otis hopefully you laugh at me future ryan hi future wife uh